It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. BYU has wrapped up day 11 of spring ball, getting ready for their annual spring game slash spring showcase. What did I take away from my media observation? We'll talk about that, and we'll also get to your guys' question on the Mailbag Thursday of the podcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Happy MLB opening day to all of you for watching this on YouTube. You can see I'm supporting my Seattle Mariners. Made the playoffs last year, ending uh, just absolutely incredible uh, 20-plus year streak of not making the playoffs. Hopefully I can go a little further this year, but hope you guys are having a fantastic opening day. I don't proclaim to be the most uh, incredible or diehard baseball fan, but I do have my team and I will be supporting them here on opening day. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. BYU had their 11th of 15 practices yesterday in Provo. Pretty light day, as Kalani Satake noted that Tuesday, BYU actually scrimmaged went 95 plays is what Coach Satake said. Uh, all quarterbacks outside of Keaton Slovis were made live in that scrimmage, and he said that the work they got done was pretty good. Uh, talking with some of the people who were in attendance at that scrimmage, they said it was very very physical, and they said it was actually a, a very good uh, format, they felt like, for how the uh, scrimmage was approached. They obviously let all the quarterbacks have a run uh, on the roster, Keaton Slovis getting the majority of those series, but nonetheless, a big opportunity for all these players. And they had a little bit lighter practice yesterday, only helmets, they were wearing their jerseys, but no pads, so it was a little different in terms of format uh, for BYU, not any of those like thud drills. They just kind of uh, like wrap-up stuff is what they were doing in the media uh, portion that we were able to observe, but biggest thing I took away yesterday is BYU's defense continues to make life miserable for this BYU offense. And I think part of it, and this is just my observation, I, I, this is not insider knowledge. that I haven't had a conversation with anybody about this. I am thinking that some of the shuffle that BYU is doing along their offensive line is maybe leading to some of the issues with the defense winning reps on the interior of the defensive line in particular. Uh, yesterday we saw BYU shuffle the first string offensive line. There are two constants in terms of the ones for BYU along the offensive front. And those are at center with Connor Pay uh, reprising his role in the pivot. And then Kingsley Suomataia, he is your stalwart left tackle. The other three positions, we talked about this in the lead-up to spring ball, very much in flux. Braden Kime got all the reps that I saw as a, as a part of the media core watching the media observation window at right tackle. But on the interior, BYU had two uh, changes at guard. And that's the interesting thing about this, is they continue to shuffle this. I talked last week with Trevin Osler getting an 
opportunity at left guard. Uh, yesterday, it was an interesting setup because you had Ian Fitzgerald, the grad transfer from Missouri State, getting time at right guard with Tyler Little, the former junior college uh, basketball player turned offensive lineman, getting time at left guard with the ones yesterday. And I think that they're still looking at all options. We've seen Lee Solid Ty get time with the ones at tackle and guard. I think I mentioned Trevor Trevin Osler. We've seen opportunities. Waylon Lapuahu, who I actually think will end up starting for BYU this fall. He just wasn't working with the working in with the ones yesterday. And I think that shuffle along the offensive front, the lack of continuity there, may be leading to some of the issues BYU's having. But I gotta give credit to BYU's defense. I've talked about this all week long. BYU's defense continues to make plays. You can take that as a positive or a negative, but they are very much an attack-minded defense. That is one thing I can assure you of. They are not sitting back on their heels. They are attacking and pressing the issue when it comes to going up against this offense. And I, I for one, I welcome that. I, I like to see BYU's defense getting after it out there. I think it's a positive thing because BYU's offense has to learn how to counter this. They have to be able to go out and, and play against that. Now, other things I took away. Uh, the kicking uh, game continues to be uh, just a cap of who knows what you're getting. Uh, Kelly Papinga spoke to the media yesterday, who he is the special teams coordinator, said in the lead-up to yesterday's practice, the two previous uh, practices, BYU had not missed a kick. Now, I'll take that with a grain of salt because in the media portion yesterday, they took three kicks. All three kickers that have been participating, Will Farron, uh, uh, Matthias Dunn, and Justin Smith, all got an opportunity. It was about 40-ish yards out, and uh, they were one for three. And the only make of the day went to Matthias Dunn, and it just snuck inside the left upright. All the other kicks, the other two kicks from Will Farron and Justin Smith weren't even close. Kicking remains an issue, and uh, Kelly Papinga is trying to put lipstick on a pig, it felt like yesterday, saying, that, well, we've got a pretty good competition going there. Coach, you got a competition because you don't have anybody that you can really rely on a kicker. Matthias Dunn would probably be your number one guy if the season were to start tomorrow, you've got to hit the transfer portal and try and find somebody there. Now, other standouts from the media portion I watched yesterday. I'm really liking uh, what Micah Hanneman has been showing of late. He's playing a hybrid linebacker role for BYU, coming in in terms of a – he's like a – I don't know. He's kind of a beefed-up safety playing a little nearer the line of scrimmage. You can call him a hybrid linebacker if you want. BYU's base defense, at least from my perception, is more of a 4-2-5, but with the ability to go to a true 4-3 or go into a dime format where you move six defensive backs onto the football field. The the versatility of this defense is going to be its calling card. That's what I like about it. Uh, The one constant that I have noticed in in talking with people about BYU on their uh, their offensive front, the defensive front, is they're going with a four-down alignment. Does that mean all four guys in that defensive line have their hand in the dirt? No, that does not mean that. Isaiah Banya is a guy who is playing on the edge, and he's in sometimes in a two-point stance, but he is alongside his fellow defensive lineman along the line there, and it's a four-man alignment. That is, I think, going to be BYU's base set along the defensive front. They, Like, like I said, they have the versatility to switch things up. Um, other things that took away yesterday, you had uh, Jacob Robinson get a nice pass breakup on Keanu Hill. I mentioned Micah Hanneman. He had a PB you. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Tyler Batty, if I recall correctly, also batted a ball down. So the defense is getting their hands up, and they're, they're doing some interesting uh, things there. Now, on the quarterback front, Keaton Slovis continues to be a steady Eddie, and that's not a bad thing. 
for him. He is a guy who continues to operate with the offense and move the ball. Now, Jake Retzloff, I think it's no question right now that he is the number two quarterback. I was talking with some people about the scrimmage on Tuesday, and they said that Jake, Jake Retzloff, if they were going to go off of their perception of the scrimmage, number one is Keenan Slovis, number two is Retzloff, and then there's a divide, and then it's Cade Fennigan at number three and the other quarterbacks lining up behind him. It's nothing against Cade Fennigan. It just has not had his best run of performances to date in the last week or so. There's still time for him to make that up, obviously. Uh, the biggest uh, questions and the biggest answers will come during training camp this August, but I, I'm really impressed with Jake Retzloff. He had a fantastic sidearm throw. Some of you saw the one uh, from the scrimmage that uh, he threw to Anthony Olsen. Incredible catch, by the way, from Anthony Olsen, but he had another one in yesterday's practice during the media observation window where he just essentially said, you know what, i got to get this pass out. He had a defender bearing down on him, and he just kind of went submarine and kind of sidearmed it and put a lot of sizzle on it. The pass got there in a in, in a hurry. That's the other thing about Keaton Slovis, by the way, is he has got a rocket for an arm. When he really wants to rev it up, he can absolutely fire it in there. He had a, a bullet pass. He was a little bit on the run, trying to get it out to the sideline where Isaac Rex was alone along the sideline, and he just fired a pass, and it had some mustard on it. And Isaac Rex, luckily, had those soft hands, uh, kind of had to almost like I don't know, double catch it in a way, had to like kind of tap it to slow it down and then secure the catch. And we audibly heard Keaton Slovis run over and say, great catch, dude. That, that, one, that one was a good one. So the quarterbacks, they're slinging the rock around. Now, my other concern, though, is that the running game uh, continues to have some issues. Now, Aiden Robbins is not participating in drills, and we're all uh, anticipating him being the lead back for BYU this fall. LJ Martin will also be enrolling this summer, the four-star prospect out of El Paso, Texas. They're coming in and figured to be a part of the brain trust, or at least the lead guys when it comes to BYU's running back position. But I want to see more from the running backs in camp right now. I want to see more from Miles Davis. I want to see more from Hinkley Rapal. Enoch Nawahine, Nukuluve Heilu. I want to see all of them uh, get after a little bit more. Now, the offensive line shuffling, I think, may also play a role in that in terms of uh, running backs like to get to know their offensive line and their tendencies. And having five set guys along that front is a very critical thing about building that uh, sense of unity and the continuity there. We'll see what happens. So, uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty successful couple of days for BYU on practice based on the conversations I had with folks around the program about the scrimmage on Tuesday. Kalani Sitake said he was pleased with how things went uh, for BYU. Uh, one final note here. I, 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 oh, okay, one other thing uh, before, I, uh, before I move along here. Some of you asked about some of the younger players uh, in terms of guys that you want to know about. I believe... Um, Yes, about guys like Isaiah Moa, uh, Micah Wilson, uh, Bodie Schoonover. Uh, what I am told is that Ice Moa is essentially on the second string right now with the defensive line. Bodie Schoonover and Micah Wilson are kind of with the threes. They're kind of in that third unit right now, uh, if that matters to you. Uh, Michael Daly is also a guy some people have asked about. I- I've heard that he is uh, doing some things, but he's also been slowed up by some lingering injury concerns. So uh, they're not considered to be long-term. That's the positive news based on what I was told. But those are some of the guys to keep an eye on, uh, well, I guess you have been asking for me to find out about in terms of the youngsters playing for BYU, but the other thing about this, let me also add one thing about this about spring. If I haven't reiterated this enough, I, maybe I haven't, but the biggest thing about spring is it's a time for experimentation. There are going to be things that BYU has been trying in spring ball that will never see the light of day when it comes to a game coming up in September, October, or November of this fall. They just simply won't uh, think. They, they're throwing some stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks, seeing what works, seeing if it's effective, and they may bring it back around. But there's other stuff that's going to just get balled up into a, a, a ball, speaking of a piece of, piece of paper, tossed over into the wastebasket, and on you go. So uh, I, I, I came away saying that I, th- I think the defense 
defense probably won the day, at least in the media observation window once again yesterday. But that doesn't mean the offense isn't having their moments, especially in the passing game. That's the nice part about this. Guys like Keanu Hill, Chase Roberts, they continue to be very, very good wide receivers. Cannot wait to see Cody Epps finally retake the field. Uh, he spoke to the media yesterday, and uh, he talked about the fact that he he's anticipating being out there in full go by the time fall camp arrives in August. And that should excite you because that, that trio, that top three at wide receiver for BYU, very, very good. And along with Dom Henry. Uh, once again, Dom Henry continues to be just this fantastic performer in practice. Will it translate to the field this fall? We'll find out, but uh, I, I'm intrigued, at least by the pieces BYU's got right now. Now, looking forward to seeing a number of you, if you guys are going to make the trek out to Lavelle Edwards Stadium tomorrow uh, afternoon and evening for BYU scrimmage slash, uh, slash alumni game. Uh, if you guys are there, I'll be sure to uh, uh, mention, uh, find a way on social media, I guess, to get the word out about how we can meet up maybe, uh, snap some pictures, have some chats, and, you know, have some fun along the way. It should be a fun, fun afternoon and evening. A uh, little bit cold, so bundle up. But nonetheless, looking forward to being out there at LES once again to watch BYU celebrate the nearing end of spring ball. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it's your guys' time to shine. Your questions, we're answering them as many as we possibly can fit in in the time remaining on today's show. We'll get to all of that in a mere moment. First, a word on our friends over at uh, FanDuel. Of course, the tournament is heating up. There's no place to get in on the no better place to get in on the action than with our friends at FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is $1,000 back if in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up to pl- claim your no-sweat first bet right now, my friends. Once again, it's FanDuel.com slash locked on. They can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets on Monday night, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And don't miss out on your chance to f- get that no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Think about that, my friends. $1,000 available now when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. Make every moment more and do it with our friends at FanDuel. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. If you've not done so already, make sure you check out our brand new podcast here on the Locked On College channel. It's not necessarily brand new. It's been around for a couple months now. Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you know on and off the court. Hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. That is Locked On College Basketball. Available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, your guys, it's time to shine on the podcast. Let's get to your questions start rumbling through these. Uh, First one from our good Tuckinator. With Riley Nelson heading off in a different direction, any word on how soon we will hear when who new, Greg Rebell's new sidekick will be on the radio? Are there any names emerging or anyone that you would love to see in that role? Now, uh, I can say this. When uh, Riley Nelson was announced uh, to be taking over as the color analyst or the in-game analyst for BYU Radio, it was around this time when he was announced. It was like four years ago, if I recall correctly. 
So I wouldn't think that we're going to be uh, waiting too much longer to hear on this. Now, in terms of names emerging, honestly, Gregor Bell has made it very, very clear that it's going to be a former player. So if you can think of a former player that's well-spoken, who's got an analytical football mind, they're probably on the list. Honestly, that's exactly how I think it's going to shake out. So I am eagerly looking forward to finding out who it is. I would love nothing more than in my professional career at some point to do something like that. I just don't have the player background that Greg is looking for, and that's just a simple fact of the matter. Uh, but nonetheless, I do think you'll hear in the relatively near future about who Greg Rebell's new uh, radio broadcast partner will be. All right, next one. Amber Roberts uh, at Amber Amber NN underscore says, we need a Locked On Cougars meetup at the alumni game this Friday. We can probably make that happen, Amber. I'll make sure to reach out on social media, let you guys know where I'll be, etc. The media is going to be obviously able to access the press box, and if it's as cold as they're saying it's going to be, I may be spending some significant time up there in the press box. I'm not going to lie, but we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, we'll, we'll find out about that. All right, Brent Speechley at Speechley. Brent says, chances of football and basketball both finishing in the upper half this season in the Big 12. Uh, with football, I will give them like a 40% chance of doing that. Basketball, hmm, 5%. They'd have to really kill it, I feel like, in the transfer portal realm to get basketball into the top half of that conference. The the Big 12, basketball-wise, is an absolute juggernaut. It is far and away the best conference top-to-bottom strength-wise. Yes, I know they don't have a team in the Final Four this weekend, but still, very, very impressive strength uh, top-to-bottom in that basketball conference. And BYU's got their work cut out for him. Mark Pope is going to have to go out and show uh, what he is made of to get his team a roll in here. Now, uh, other questions rolling in here. Tyler Bergner, our good friend, Tyler underscore Bergner says, with A.J. Vongpachan visiting Wazoo this week, have you heard if BYU will get a visit as well? Now, Tyler, I have not heard specifically if BYU will get a visit, but I do know this. Vongpachan is very familiar with BYU. He's played against them. Uh, I heard rumors that he may have already made an unofficial visit to BYU. It's a pretty simple process for him to drive down to Provo to check things out. We'll find out. He's a guy from the Pacific Northwest. There are people out there that think that Washington State is the team that ultimately will land him. Only time will tell, but I know that BYU has that relationship between him and Justin Enna, and I think it'd be a very, very natural fit uh, to bring him in. Now I got to pull up my phone here. I had some other questions come in on a different on my on my personal account dropped in via DM. So let's get into those real quick here. Uh, Trevor Taylor here says, Jake, I've got a question about the podcast. Have you heard anything more about basketball players entering the transfer portal? I'm really surprised we haven't seen more players jump in. Thanks. Now, uh, with regards to that, I'm actually surprised that more players have not jumped in. But Mark Pope, during his uh, the press conference that was called together very hastily and then very was clearly delineated, this is just an end-of-the-season press conference, he said that the Fridays, essentially, there was like three or four Fridays, they said we were going to have exit uh, meetings with players. And he said we're, it's a multi-week process here. So maybe they're writing out the final a week or so of those uh, meetings and you may see a couple names still go in. I wouldn't be surprised to see at least one or two players still leave the program and BYU uh, obviously having the op- opportunity to replace them in the transfer portal. But only time will tell. I'm anticipating more of it, Trevor, and I'm like you. I'm frankly stunned that it has not happened quite yet. All right. Other questions coming in here, if I can find it right away. Apparently, I've no, there it is. Okay. Mark Sanders says, Jake, I love listening to your show. I listen every day while I'm exercising. Well, Mark, you're my inspiration. I need to be exercising more too. But nonetheless, knowing that Arkansas will probably be our first real test, speaking of BYU this year, what, if anything, have you heard about their pro- about what their prospects are this year or about how they're doing in spring ball? Well, that's a great question, Mark. And you know what I'm going to do? 
with April coming up, we are two days away from the month of April. Obviously, time is uh, things are going to slow down. BYU wrapping up spring ball. We're going to truly be into the offseason football-wise. You know what we're going to do? We're going to start looking at future opponents. I will be doing some deep, dig- deep digs on Arkansas, and we actually have a Locked on Razorbacks podcast that we can reach out to as well. I'd love to have them on once again to talk about that, and we'll get you that information uh, and pretty quick. I think we'll start going through that. I'm, I'm telling you, in just a, a couple of weeks' time, I wouldn't be surprised if we start digging into that. All right, final question coming in here was one that was emailed uh, to us. Actually, two, two emailed to us. Jordan Kennard, obviously one of our longtime listeners, says, my question is, we keep hearing that BYU is going to search hard in the transfer portal for some additional wide receivers. Have you heard by chance who the team is eyeing as potential players to go after if they enter the transfer portal, or if any players they have interest are from the junior college ranks? Or is it more that they just have to wait until who they see is entering the transfer portal and hope they can find good wide receivers? Again, thank you for all you do. My dad and I are trying to go to the football scrimmage on Friday. If we are able to go, hope we will be able to see you there. Sincerely, Jordan Kennard. Well, Jordan, hope to see you there as well. Now, with regards to the transfer portal and wide receivers, uh, honestly, I think it's a waiting game for BYU. I think they have an idea of guys who may enter the portal, but truthfully, they don't necessarily know until those guys ultimately make that decision and put their name into the portal. I know that seems way too simplistic, but it really goes down that way. You kind of see a name pop up, you're like, oh, we're interested in that guy, and you can reach out and start talking to them. That that And I'll be honest, there is tampering going on, obviously. We already know about this. I don't think that BYU operates that way, just my personal gut feeling. I think BYU tries to keep it on the up and up, but you have to, I think, just play the waiting game. April, uh, it's not April. Uh, May 1st, that's when the next portal window will open and expect a, a feeding frenzy uh, of players entering and players getting opportunities, and BYU will be right there amongst that. All right, final thing, uh, at least email-wise. Chris Gregory, Jake, are you buying that there's still a realistic chance that the Big 12 could poach some of the Pac-12? One of the arguments against this that I hear from the Pac-12 uh, camp is that the Pac-12 schools will lose potential funding and status from an AAU research affiliation standpoint. In your opinion, would the research affiliation income outweigh any increase in media contracts the Big 12 could offer? He said, I'm assuming the Pac-12 media rights still is significantly less than the Big 12 when it is eventually announced. As always, great work. Love the podcast, Chris. Now, Chris, that's an interesting uh, proposition. I can tell you this much. Research grants and like AAU funding dwarfs, absolutely dwarfs by like the tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, the media rights deals. Schools that have AAU status and are research institutions, tier one is what they call them, I think, uh, they're getting all kinds of funding. I don't necessarily know that if you affiliate with a conference in the Big 12 that only has one or two AAU members versus the Pac-12, where I think all of them are AAU. It's an association of American universities or something like that. It's a pretty high distinction. I don't necessarily know how that might affect that. I will have to ask around and see if I can find out more about that because that's it's an interesting proposition because if that's truly the case, that obviously could play a role because, let's be honest, university presidents, they're academics. They ain't sports people. They, they're coming from backgrounds in engineering and chemistry and law and all that they're they're the academics they're from academia they care about research grants and all that funding that can bolster the bottom line for their university as a whole media rights deals are cute and the hundred million dollars potentially the big 10 could be making a few years from now that's a significant amount of money but i'm telling you there are like endowments and grants and just absolute insane amounts of money in the research side of things that dwarf those numbers. So it's an interesting question and I will do some digging on that, Chris, and see what I can find out for you. All right. Uh, final couple of questions remaining on today's show are some fun ones and we'll get to those in just a minute. They were actually want, a couple of them deal with baseball and one deals with video games and we'll get to those as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars and also 
There's a certain game that has a pretty negative connotation for a lot of fans out there. Happened in Miami Beach down there at the Marlins Ballpark. We'll talk about that as we round out uh, uh, 2014 and our look back at all 155 BYU football games in just a couple of moments. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, our friends at Perry Homes have a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They've also got multiple communities in Washington County, which is near St. George. Perry Homes offers over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes to fit your needs. They even have quick move-in homes available if you're ready to move now. And the best part is they offer generous financing incentives through their preferred lender as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com today to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com for 50 years. Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. It's the perfect time right now to open a low-rate home equity line of credit from our friends over at UCCU. Over time, the value of your home goes up, as you, and as you make payments, the balance on what you owe goes down. The space in between is equity, and it is yours, my friends. A UCCU home equity line of credit can put that equity to work for you, like finishing your basement or yard or raising your home's value as a result, paying off higher interest loans and getting out of debt faster, or helping with college or weddings or simply having the peace of mind that comes from knowing you have a low-rate line of credit ready for whatever, whenever. UCC will also provide you with your very own home equity visa card, giving you instant access to that equity that you've worked so hard for. If you already have a home equity line with another financial institution, just refinance with UCCU and save. To learn more or to get started your application today, visit uccu.com or stop by any one of their many branches. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate you guys being a part of the podcast. Uh, just another quick, uh, I guess, plug for you guys. Make sure you're following the show on social media. Also, make sure you're following the show wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that follow button, hit the bell button for the no- notifications. That way you guys can be in the know every single day when BYU uh, is up to things. And we'll, of course, be endeavoring to make sure you guys are up to speed on all things BYU Cougars. All right, before we go on today's show, Let's get to the last couple of questions. So these are fun ones. This is a good way to uh, send the show out. Our good friend Nick Lee, who is a co-host of the Locked on Seahawks podcast, says it's baseball season. Obviously, opening day once again. Congratulations to all of you who celebrate. Who is your team and who is your World Series pick? Now, Nick, I I think it should be pretty clear that I'm a Seattle Mariners guy through and through. But here's the thing. Uh, My World Series pick, you're going to be very, very happy about this. I'm going to pull this up right now, Nick. If you're watching this on YouTube, and if you're not, you want to go check it out. Because that is who I'm picking for the World Series, my friends. I am rolling with the Friar Faithful this uh, year. Now, I know know that's not an original pick. It's actually, they're they're like the trendy favorite. Uh, Speaking of San Diego, the Padres, to win it all this year. I think that lineup is a murderer's row. And absolutely, if it lives up to the reputation it has, they could absolutely just clobber. Everybody in the way. I mean, the net, uh, the Mets, the Dodgers, they could beat all of them. I, I'm rolling with the Friar Faithful. I kind of consider the the Padres my second team, if you're allowed to have such things in Major League Baseball. But rolling with my Seattle Mariners, uh, uh, World Series hopes that right now, probably a little fleeting right now for for baseball and or not for the baseball for for the Mariners. But if they can make the playoffs, I'll be a happy man in advance this time. That's the other thing about this. I want to see the Mariners uh, take just another step forward as they continue to build and. 
Julio Rodriguez. Love to see him in the MVP conversation. Now, Garrett added on to this with a question. Uh, to piggyback off of this question, what are your thoughts on the new rules? The shift ban, pitch clock, etc. Now, the bigger, the bigger bases uh, uh, increased by three times. If that increases more small ball and uh, base stealing, I'm all about that. I'm all about action in baseball games. Too often, you can uh, like like you walk over, make a sandwich, eat the sandwich, come back, and you haven't missed much. The other thing I'm very intrigued by is the pitch clock. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, and I actually think it'll speed up games. Uh, spring training, the indication is it's 20-plus minutes faster uh, in the early running in spring training. We'll see how it goes uh, with today uh, kicking things off on opening day, and obviously I'm expecting uh, some uh, balls to be called on and strikes also called because you can get a ball if you're a pitcher who takes too long and a batter also. You can get a strike uh, for their part of things. I, I like that. The the banning the shift is a total move uh, to get more offense into the game. I, I don't necessarily think it's right for MLB to go out there and uh, tell their teams how to operate or tell them how to line up. But, hey, they want to increase offense. That's what uh, the NBA, that's what the um, ML, MLB, NFL have done. They've altered their rules to get more offense and make it more exciting for the fan. Well, Major League Baseball is trying to do that as well and recap capture uh, some of its glory as well. Final question goes to our good friend Landon Sorensen at Shell5792. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, Landon. If not, uh, correct me. It says, what's your favorite video game and why is it Roller Coaster Tycoon? Now, Landon, I can uh, pretty safely say I have maybe played Roller Coaster Tycoon one or two times, and we're talking way back uh, in the yesteryears of the internet. I haven't played much of Roller Coaster Tycoon. My favorite video game far and away is NCAA football. I am pining for the day that the new version of NCAA football drops. Folks, I'll tell you this. This is a kind of a funny story. I've told it to multiple people. I may have said it on this podcast before. I bought a PS5 uh, for myself for Christmas. Yeah, I treated myself. Uh, treat yourself, uh, if you know that reference. Uh Head, heads up to you guys, but uh, I bought myself a PS5 with the thought that the reporting at the time was the new NCAA football was coming out this summer. Well, I was okay. I'm going to get ahead of that. Uh, I've got an opportunity here to buy it, so I bought it, and then literally the day after I bought ordered my PS5. You know what came out? Matt Brown from Extra Point saying that, hey, by the way, the NCAA uh, football uh, new video game is going to be delayed by a full year. So, folks, I have been playing some Madden. I've been playing uh, some, uh, what's it, Ragnarok, uh, God of War Ragnarok. It's an interesting game. Uh, to make up for the time, uh, but I cannot, I, I, I'm serious, I, I cannot wait for the day that NCAA football returns to my life, and I, for one, I am looking forward to a year plus from now when that drops, and I might very well uh, be in line at midnight to buy a copy or just download, I guess you can do that now via the internet, but nonetheless, cannot wait for that. All right, final notes before we go on today's show as we finish out the 2014 season in our look back at all 155 BYU football games with a really wide game. BYU was invited at 8-4 and four to participate in the inaugural Miami Beach Bowl. Now, uh, this game was being held in the, uh, it was the, the Miami Marlins home field with that stupid fish sculpture thing they have since taken out. Uh, but they were playing that game there. It was a chippy game throughout. Uh, Memphis ended up winning 55-48 to 48 in overtime. Christian Stewart had a pass intercepted uh, that sealed the win for Memphis. Memphis uh, had their home fans behind the BYU bench and their players, as you would expect, 
expect uh, would went over to absolutely just go have uh, not absolutely, but to go have fun with their fans in the stands. Well, here's the thing: BYU had been a pretty chippy game, uh, shoving and pushing and stuff going back and forth. Uh, Christian Stewart and Paxton Lynch didn't have the finest games in terms of their overall stat lines. Both of them had three interceptions apiece in this game, but nonetheless, uh, BYU feeling pretty uh, down about themselves. Well, it devolved, and some of the Memphis players took it maybe a touch too far, started talking some trash, and then a brawl broke out. Absolutely crazy stuff. There was a Memphis player swinging a helmet at BYU players. We all know that infamous picture or video of Kainakua going up and punching a guy in the back of the head. Uh, he had uh, thought that the guy was the one who sucker punched him. You remember Kai had that cut underneath his eye in that brawl. Uh, emotions spilled over. There were multiple BYU football players. I don't know if I'm breaking too many confidences here uh, that were suspended for this game uh, because they were out partying on South Beach the night before the game, or at least in the lead up to that game. There were a number of players who were suspended uh, for breaking curfew rules. Uh, so it was just crazy. Crazy, crazy times in South Beach for BYU. Uh, Paxton Lynch had four, uh, excuse me, had uh, seven touchdowns total, uh, four of them passing, if I recall correctly. Yeah, four of them passing, also ran in for three more, seven total touchdowns to lead Memphis to that win. But this game completely marred. It was, it was a back-and-forth affair, but it was completely marred by that brawl after the game. Nobody came out looking good. Like I said, there's that Memphis player swinging a helmet. That's a, just a horrific look. Uh, Kainakua has made headline after after headline with that uh, punch to the back of the guy's head, a sucker punch, and just an awful, awful situation. And uh, by the way, I put a lot of the blame for that devolving the way it did. Why in the world would you put a BYU's bench in front of Memphis fans and vice versa? It just... The setup wasn't ideal. They learned lessons from it, obviously, and tried to rectify things, but it just absolutely marred what was an incredible game. And it just... It, it didn't need to go that way. And I know that BYU is feeling down about themselves. I think that was actually maybe the game also, if you recall, there's a gif out there of a BYU player grabbing a Memphis, uh, grabbing a flag of an opposing team. I think it was a Memphis flag, if I recall correctly, uh, walking off that field. BYU is feeling pretty down about themselves because they felt like they deserved to win that game, and obviously it didn't come to fruition, but crazy. Crazy game, and obviously finishing out the season, BYU slump uh, to an eight and five record. Would have had a really different feel at nine and four versus eight and five. But as we will kick off the 2015 season uh, tomorrow, Taysom Hill is back. Uh, hope springs eternal when it comes to Taysom Hill and his runs at quarterback at BYU. How long was it going to last? Well, we'll talk about 2015 and the start of that season on tomorrow's podcast. So that's going to do it for today's show. A little over time as we typically try to keep this under 30 minutes, but nonetheless, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for your support of the podcast. Go make your second list listen. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on all things Big 12 with Josh Neighbors every single day. Get that available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.